everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. Yeah, that's right. This is your podcast from movie fans for movie fans. And once again, I am your host, Ryan Dunlevy, and joined again by Rob Dunham, my co-host. How are you doing, Rob? Hey, everybody. First place, Philadelphia Union right here. He's, he's got a Philadelphia Union cap on, but what he's not showing you is he has a San Jose Earthquake <laughs> jersey on. So I don't That's know just because I collect those. So <laughs> this, is, this is the team, though. I only it's have a hat of one team. That's what, that's what shows who you really support. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got a great show in store for you. Uh, AMC is attempting to lead the movie industry back. We're going to talk about that. Kazakhstan now is taking cues from Borat. Very nice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, there are some bathroom issues with drive-in theaters in the UK. Oh, man. Such a good story. I saw, I saw this one and knew we had to talk about it right away. Yeah. And we're going to give you what to watch on HBO Max and Hulu, so, as well as our watch list. So... Let's get started. Rob, are you ready to go? Oh, I am so ready. Let's do it. All right. So our first story um, comes to us, and it's about AMC theaters. So AMC theaters are now going to be reopening in San Francisco, despite the city's ban on concessions. And this was one of the obstacles to AMC theaters reopening uh, was concessions because theaters make a significant amount of their profit margin from the sale of concessions. But AMC has decided that they are going to reopen the theaters. Now, this is big deal because it really marks a, a different pathway and a different track than, say, Regal, um, which decided, uh, whatever, we're shutting everything down. AMC... Um, has stated some of their reasons why they're doing this. And a lot of that reasoning has to do with the future of the movie industry. What they're trying to do is they're trying to prove to the studios that there are enough theaters open that it warrants sending movies to theaters. And so they are making the calculated risk that the more often they open, the more of their theaters they open, the more screens they have available, the more likely it is that movies will be released from the studios into theaters and they can start getting the business up and running again. And this is really fascinating. This is fascinating take. Um, my initial thoughts is I like it. Rob, what do you think? I like it, but I'm very skeptical of its potential for success <laughs> just because a lot of this feels like it's been driven and run by the studios mm -hmm. and it's going to take them coming to the table too and being willing to either reverse course on some decisions or change their uh, thought process on future decisions. And, you know, I, I think it's going to take a pretty massive effort from both sides combined to get this to work. So the real question is, are the studios going to come to the table here? And all indications we've had so far have been not positive. 
when it comes to that. So um, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it would certainly benefit the industry as a whole if things worked out a little bit. Um, but we, re- we really don't know right now what the studios are thinking. Yeah. And that's the, I mean, it's, it's the only variable that really matters. Like the, <laughs> every, every theater in the country can be open if they want to, but if there's no movies coming to the theater that people are actually going to want to go see, it's not going to make a difference. Yeah, and I think I like it because I think we're in this weird chicken and the egg cycle with the movie theaters and the studios. Studios won't release movies unless they have theaters to show them in. Theaters won't open unless they have movies to put in the theaters. And everyone's waiting on everybody else. And so I think it took, it takes somebody one side to say, we will stick our neck out. We will stick our foot out and say, Hey, we're willing, we're willing to take the hit. We're willing to, to give it a go to, to prove that we can do this. And this was, this was my major critique of the studios is I thought the studios should have been the ones doing this. And it's interesting that it's actually coming from the theater side where there's a, you know, where the theater chains is saying, no, we will be open. And I love the track. I have no idea whether it will be successful. Like you're saying, there's no idea whether this will work or not, but I like the aggressive play. I like the aggressive play of saying, we will show you that we can stay open and we will be open for your, for your movies. I think the stats were by this weekend that 540 of AMC 600 theaters will be open in the U S so that's a pretty that's a pretty good amount. Um, now you're still missing some of the major cities where they draw a lot of box office from, like L.A. and and New York. But I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work or not. But I like the aggressive play. I think somebody had to step out and put their neck out and say, "Hey, we're going to take the risk, even though it's going to it's going to burn through some cash and be you know hurt us on the front end. We're willing to take the hit on the." to be successful on the back end. It should have been the studios to do this first, but I'm happy somebody's doing it. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see, which seems like it's been our mantra since we started this podcast (laughs) at the absolute perfect time. Yeah. And along those same (laughs) lines, it's Warner Brothers so far is sticking with their Christmas Day release for Wonder Woman. We'll see how long that lasts. But I have a feeling it's not going to last, but... It's, we'll see. All I can say is it's positive. It's still there right now. Yeah. <laughs> As of this recording, at this moment, it's still there. And so um, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it will be interesting to see how this plays out. I think they're also – AMC is also trying to prove to some of these municipalities, some of these cities, that they can do this in a reasonably safe manner and, and can comply with local regulations and that that will help other cities uh, give them a pathway to reopening. So I think there's some of that involved in this too. So hopefully it works for AMC. I'm, I'm, I, admire their, I admire their bravery, even if it doesn't work. All right, so Rob, you brought a story to the podcast this week. Um, uh, I, bring, I bring the hard-hitting news when yeah. I see it. So do you want to give us, uh, we got some Tom Holland news. 
Oh, yeah. Well, this is exciting because there's a movie coming out uh, about the Uncharted video game franchise. And Tom Holland is the star of the movie uh, as the main character, Nathan Drake. And one thing about this uh, series is that this movie has been in production for over a decade. As different producers, directors, actors have been attached to it. Um, I don't know how many of you have ever seen the show Entourage, but there are a few different movies that are gone through in that show that are similar where they they're brought to the actor and it's like, well, this actor was going to do it originally. And then this guy, and then this guy, and then this guy, and this director, and then that director, and then the other director, (laughs) but now it's this guy. And we want to know if you want to be the other guy. (laughs) And so they ended up settling with Tom Holland as a younger version of the character in uncharted. Um, If you've ever played the games, I can't say that I have played them a massive amount, but I do know most of what's going on in them. Uh, The main character is like this grizzled, hardy, outdoors, like tough guy. And as much as Tom Holland is in like action star in Spider-Man, I don't see him in the same way. So it's going to be an interesting thing to see their take on that because they are setting him up as a younger version of the character. So we'll have to see what that looks like. Yeah, I found it fascinating in the article about this that the original person cast to play that role is Mark Wahlberg, which makes much more sense given the character description you were describing. But now the movie took so long that Mark Wahlberg no longer makes sense in the role because he's 10 years older now, but that he's going to actually play another character in the same in this movie now. But that's, uh, yeah, I wonder what that negotiation looks like. Hey, you're now too old for this role. Do you want to play this other role instead? (laughs) (laughs) And what's interesting is based on the uh, reaction from the internet, at least on Reddit, on the movie subreddit and the gaming subreddit, they are not too thrilled about Mark Wahlberg being cast in the role that he is Hmm. being cast in now that he doesn't really fit uh, what the character is in the game. So we'll, we'll see how much he's willing to change his normal Mark Wahlbergness uh, to fit the character or if it will be too much and he won't be able to succeed. Yeah, it's interesting. And uh, we actually bumped out another story that we were going to talk about to talk about this one, but um, it feels a little similar to when they cast uh, the new Tomb Raiders Mm. Um, because the actress who's playing it, which I'm now of course going to blank. Alicia Vikander. Yes, Alicia Vikander, thank you, um, was like, is so tiny. She's so tiny as a person. And to play Tomb Raider and to have to do some of the things she was doing, it almost, it almost seems unbelievable. And I wonder if it ends up being that way for Tom Holland in Uncharted. So, yeah. Oh, let's shoot some webs at the bad guys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But it is amazing that with all the films that get canceled, that get, you know, put on the back burner, that get moved around, that this particular one still has legs after 12 years and and has now finished filming and is set to come out in in this coming summer, COVID pending. So it will be interesting. It will be interesting. Some, Some video game adaptions have gone well. Some of them haven't. 
So, I would say the majority have not. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I would Very say, few yeah. have gone well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So now, now we get to the real hard-hitting news. This is this is this is the you know probably the biggest story of 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 the year, and that Kazakhstan has now adopted Borat's catchphrase for their tourist slogan. Very nice. Very nice. Yes, <laughs> that is correct. This is not a joke. Kazakhstan has put out tourist videos, and they're using the catchphrase. Very nice. So this is interesting. <laughs> I, I got to say, I'm not a huge fan of Borat. I don't particularly like the character or that brand of humor. And it was fascinating to see the reversal because Kazakhstan really hated the first Borat and threatened to sue Sasha Baron Cohen <laughs> over the first one. So it's quite the reversal that he comes out with another one and Kazakhstan's like, all right, that's fine. We're good. Very nice. We're on, we're on board. <laughs> well, when you make a movie that uh, throws the country under the bus as a Jew-hating, backwards, uh, er ignorant, arrogant uh, place, the probably most countries aren't going to be a fan of that. And he even came out and said, the only reason why we picked Kazakhstan was because we didn't think most people had any idea where it was or anything <laughs> about it. Um, He's, basically, he was saying that it was so small of a country that making up a country or using that, like, they were, it was irrelevant <laughs> which one he chose to do, which is interesting because uh, in The Dictator, which is another one of his movies, he made up a whole country for that character. So you have to wonder if, if he went back and could do it over again if he would just make something up yeah. because he did get a fairly... Uh, unhappy response to the first movie yeah it's uh but it's it's just you know i guess at, at some point the old adage any press is good press comes home for kazakhstan yeah you know it's like hey somebody's talking about kazakhstan let's do it we'll embrace it very nice <laughs> so rob at this point at this point i feel like we need to we need to break out and we need to play a little a slightly a little game and it's called what does rob know about kazakhstan oh boy i was not prepared for this <laughs> exactly um I, I will have you know uh before we start here that i won the geography b in my school when i was in third grade oh, and that was against okay. like everybody up to eighth grade so okay I'm pretty much a genius when it comes to other countries so um, and I'm definitely not going to Google what the answers are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So rough estimation in general, what do you think the population of Kazakhstan is? How many people live in Kazakhstan? Well, I know Borat lives there, so that's at least one. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to guess... Uh, Six point two million. Eighteen point three million as of twenty eighteen. I was only twelve million off. I think yeah. that pretty much counts. <laughs> you got one third of their population. <laughs> All right. Can you name 
any of the countries that border Kazakhstan? Russia. Correct. Uh, hmm. Turkey. No. Hmm. Belarus. No. There are five countries it borders. Russia's way to become not fair as you yeah. get countries in Europe, countries in Asia. Yeah. Uh, Ukraine. No. All right, I give up. All right. <laughs> it, it borders Russia, which you got. It borders China in the east. It borders Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, and Turkmenistan. And yes, those are all actual countries. Yeah, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So not only on this podcast do you get movies, but you get a little bit of history too. So, all right. So let's, uh, let's move on to our last story. And, and again, we're going to hit on the hard-hitting news here. Yeah, this is what I thought you were going to bring up earlier, and I was all excited because, uh, you know, I, I scour the internet. I, I, I page through Reddit looking for the most important, most impactful stories that we could possibly have about movies. And, yes. you know, when, when it comes down to it, it's really stuff like this that keeps me excited about the movie industry. So mm-hmm. um, you've got the article in front of you, so why don't you uh, introduce it and then I can – you know, break it down for the people so they can really understand uh, the depth of this. Yeah. So, Chester FC in England wanted to host an outdoor drive-in cinema showing Halloween movies this weekend. That sounds great. I don't see a problem. It sounds like a great plan. It's a good way to see movies. What could go wrong? Well... There's a problem. The problem is that this stadium where they're hosting this event, half of the property is in England and the other half is in Wales. And that would be not such a big deal except for the two separate entities, Wales and England, have very different coronavirus restrictions right now. And they also happen to be different countries. (laughs) Yeah, they do. They're kind of different countries, yes. Kind of, how many countries are in this country? Yes. As Ted Lasso okay. would say. The, the UK is very weird. <laughs> <laughs> There's some good videos on YouTube explaining the whole thing. We're not going to get into any more history geography lessons. However, <laughs> Wales is where the bathrooms are. And Wales is in lockdown. So, you cannot actually have a drive-in movie where nobody can go to the bathroom because they're all locked up. <laughs> so the, the club hosting this event is probably going to have to cancel and refund everyone's money because their bathrooms are in a different country. <laughs> yes, I actually had to look up this story again to make sure I found it on a reputable news site to make <laughs> sure that this was not a fake story. This is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. They cannot hold this event because their bathrooms are in a different country and the bathrooms are locked down. I mean, you hear all the time stories about things happening over the border, like in uh, El Paso and Juarez, Mexico, heavy stuff about drug trafficking and people coming and going. But when it comes down to it, really, 
Um, is there anything heavier than not being able to do a number two? Yeah. When the need is most urgent. Yeah. I mean, to have to risk potentially being arrested <laughs> in the bathroom. It's, you know, it's just, wow. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> so you just, you just have to laugh because I mean, it just shows, it just shows some of the absurdity we're all dealing with at the moment. Just, I mean, someone's trying to do something and they can't do it because their bathrooms are in a different country. I mean, what do you do? You know, it's one of those things. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, let's, conclude the, uh, let's conclude the news portion of the podcast and let's move on to our discussion items. So one of the things we want to try and do on the podcast is we want to try and give you some, some of our tastes and some of our uh, thoughts on what movies are worth watching on different streaming services, especially since a lot of people aren't going to theaters and the streaming services often tend to get really crowded and it can be really hard to find it and you're never quite sure what to watch. So we thought we would start out by giving you uh, five things to watch on a couple of different streaming services. So Rob is gonna take Hulu and I'm gonna take HBO Max. So Rob, you wanna, you wanna get us kickstarted? What should our viewers be interested in watching on Hulu? So I looked through uh, some of the catalog and I've got five obviously that I came across and there are a couple newer ones and a couple older ones. So the first one I want to mention uh, is actually leaving the service the end of November. So if you have Hulu and, and want to check this out, make sure you watch it before November 30th. And that is the original blade uh, with mm -hmm. Leslie Snipes, which I think is, I think blade and blade two are two of the best comic book movies ever made. And what's interesting about them is they were made before comic book movies were popular and most of them were like really looked down on. Yeah. And I think this had all the elements to be the same and to fail massively. But I, I know a lot of people who like those two movies. Um, and so I, I think a lot of it has to do with how he played the character. Um, he definitely uh, brought the badass to it. And uh, I think that that makes Blade well worth the watch. And that's, uh, again, leaving at the end of November. So make sure you check that one out. Should I just go yeah, through all my five? Okay. Yep. Uh, the next one is another old one. And one of my favorite movies of all time, and without a doubt, my favorite music movie of all time, which is High Fidelity mm. uh, with John Cusack. And uh, now that I know it's on there, I'm going to have to watch it this week. <laughs> <laughs> I the as a music person as someone who collects records on top of that like this movie is oh man it's like eating a tub full of ice cream it's just so good <laughs> and Jack Black just steals the show in the movie as the out there friend and uh it's just incredible um I love I love everything about that movie uh can't say enough about it and Catherine Zeta Jones too very young version of Catherine Zeta-Jones, if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> um, uh, the next one that I saw, uh, it's on there, is Terminator Dark Fate, which is mm -hmm. the newest Terminator that came out. And uh, very interesting take on the franchise and series, kind of introducing some new blood, but also bringing back uh, one of the most well-known characters from 
the original Terminators. I don't want to give too much of that away, but uh, definitely well worth checking out. Um, another newer one that's on there, which I believe Ryan had talked about fairly recently on the podcast, is Gemini Man mm. with Will Smith. Will Smith and Will Smith. You'll get it when you see it. Uh, also has Clive Owen, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, ever since Children of Men is kind of, I think, the moment where I first really was introduced to him as a as an actor. Um, I I I feel like it might suffer from not being quite as heavy as the people who made it intended it to be, just because of how some of it is shot, dialogue, things like that. It's it's somewhat trapped between being an action movie and being the serious like um, drama that plays out what could go wrong if we go too far in a certain direction. Um, it might not quite hit the perfect sweet spot there, but it's definitely worth watching. I, I'm not a huge fan of many action movies, and that was one that I definitely enjoyed, so I'd recommend it. Yeah, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I didn't have high expectations, but it really was. It wasn't a bad movie. I, I liked it. And then uh, my last recommendation would be my highest recommendation. If you have not seen it yet, the movie Parasite, is on Hulu and uh, it won obviously the Academy Award for Best Picture last year. Uh, it is a little bit divisive. Some people really, really loved it. Some people really didn't like it. Some people didn't like it just because you have to read because it is in another <laughs> language. Um, I, I can understand that. I can appreciate that because that's not for everybody. Um, but the story that's told in the movie is just so worth spending the time to watch and read it as it's happening because yeah. it's, it's just a really well done, uh, clever and unique story that uh, was put on film and to just cast it aside because you might have to read subtitles, I think is, is a mistake um, because it doesn't really matter what language a story is told in. If it's a great story, uh, you can still feel the emotions and energy from the characters and the actors in the movie did a fantastic job. I know Ryan and I slightly disagreed on where it should end up in the end of the year overall rankings from last year, which by the way, now that we have a movie podcast, you guys are going to be able to hear our annual rankings when they come out this year, which is great because we, we're going to argue about Bad Boys for Life and Birds of Prey being the best movie of the year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Parasite is definitely a movie you should check out. Um, yeah. Well worth it. Yeah. And we never talked about our interpretations of some of that. So maybe we'll mm. have to save that for a later podcast. Yeah, that might have to be a podcast episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I, I am going to give you recommendations from HBO Max. Um, and I took a slightly different track on this because there's a lot, there's a number of bigger movies on there like Joker and um, some other ones that you've probably seen Ford versus Ferrari, some big movies on there. I didn't just go straight with all of the big movies on there. I thought there's some in the collection of what's on HBO Max that perhaps you've missed, whether they're older or whether they were smaller releases or for whatever reason. So uh, movies that you might have missed that you definitely should check out. Um, 
So I'm going to start with uh, a movie we've talked about a, a little bit on uh, on the podcast before, and that's Ad Astra. Mm. Um, definitely check out Ad Astra. It came out last year. Brad Pitt, um, fantastic scenery, fantastic atmosphere to the movie. Um, really, really does a great job of conveying the emotion that they're trying to the emotion that they're trying to get into, it does a fantastic job of carrying that through every aspect of the movie, through the way it's shot, through the soundtrack, um, through the dialogue, um, just the action of the characters. It's, it's really well done. It's different. It's a different movie, but it's really good. So Ad Astra, um, another one that's an older one that I actually just watched and we can talk about a little bit more when we get to the watch list is Flight of the Phoenix. Hmm. Uh, came out in 2004, Dennis Quaid, Miranda Otto, uh, um, Tyrese, I think. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. We'll, I'll save, I'll save some of my review from that for a little bit, but check out flight of the Phoenix. Um, another one that's a little bit older is fracture fracture. I think is a fantastic movie. Um, which uh, stars Ryan um, Gosling, and he is um, he is a lawyer, a hotshot lawyer, who gets uh, played by Anthony Hopkins. Who Anthony Hopkins in the in the movie he kills his wife at the beginning of the movie, and then it looks like an open and shut case, and he lures Ryan Gosling into this kind of trap, as it were. Um, a legal trap, but it's a fascinating movie and it's a really good cerebral mental game back and forth. Um, yeah, it's, it's really good. It's, it's a good, it's a good drama suspense type movie. If you like murder mysteries, it's, it's a good one. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins is uh, a really good actor. And I think a lot of people only think of silence of the lambs when they hear his name, but there's so much other stuff. Mm-hmm. He's been in, I, w- I would say that a decent amount of it is kind of that um, character driven, more independent feeling type movie. Like you just mentioned, another one I think of is uh, called the human stain with Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's just incredibly good at playing understated guy. Who's got like this plan underneath everything or, mm-hmm you know, seems innocent and mild mannered, but really is like pulling all the strings behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So definitely check out Fracture. Um, another classic, but a great one, Unbreakable. Mm. Unbreakable, the second M. Night Shyamalan movie. So, so good. It's one of those movies that the critics hated it when it first came out, but even the critics have come around on Unbreakable. It is, it is a subtle comic book movie. It is fantastic in terms of characters. The, the way it's shot is, is interesting and noticeable. Uh, the use of color. But Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson really drive this film. And the characters are just fascinating. And they're so, so good. And, and the way it plays this is- that is, uh, I, I have to sit down and remake my list at some point, but that's in the top five, I yeah. think, of my all-time favorite movies. Easily my favorite. It's funny when people talk about superhero movies, uh, and I always say it's my favorite superhero movie. And I think it's because it's so different and mm-hmm. unexpected and uh, 
there's a there's a few movies I can think of off the top of my head. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, this and the Prestige that always give me chills at the mm-hmm. end. And man, I just I love the scene at the end of this movie that shows everything that's actually happened in the movie because it's just it's like a like a train just hits you at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, whoa, what? <laughs> yeah, it was it was really really well done. So, and the last one on my list, I'm going to, I'm going to put in, it's a, it's a newer one that came out, uh, The Way Back. Uh, and The Way Back is, is a movie about a guy who is, um, you know, he's, he's an alcoholic, he's down, um, his life is not going well. And then he gets the call to, uh, to coach a high school basketball team, his alma mater. And uh, it's a really good story. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of overcoming struggle um, and really about how you need a purpose in life and how a purpose in life can really, really help you out. Um, so it's a, it's a good story. It's, it's not, it's not a, it always an easy watch. Um, it's certainly not. It, a lot of the parts are not feel good, but it's, it's a really well done movie and it's, uh, it's well acted. So definitely check out The Way Back. All right, so we're going to post these on our website. So uh, we'll have an article up on filmforfans.com where you can check out this list if you do not remember everything that we've said. So this leads us into our watch list for the evening. All right, so let's talk about what we, uh, what we watched last week. Rob, what did you watch last week? Uh, so I didn't have a ton of time, but I did catch at least one newer movie and uh that was the movie irresistible mm. uh with steve carell and rose Byrne, uh directed and written by john stewart and uh i i love john stewart i think he is funny incisive and and just has a way of saying things that makes them clear and uh concise for people um he actually has his own show coming to apple tv soon which i'm very excited about um coming back to entertainment but uh so what what john stewart is known for obviously is is political commentary and uh this movie is very similar to i would say the hunt in the sense that you had described the hunt kind of as almost uh a farce like an over-the-top telling of what happens in society when something goes a certain way and i would say that this is the same uh but for the realm of politics kind of taking the idea of the people who are in place now and saying taking it to a, like a farther out conclusion like what might happen and instead of going straight to the like supreme leader of the world level they actually go the opposite direction and the main character in the movie uh is someone who is looking to run for mayor of a small town in Wisconsin, <laughs> which is about as far from glitz and glamour as you can get. Um, Steve Carell happens to see a speech that this guy puts up on YouTube, Steve Carell's character. Um, he's playing a political strategist, uh, Democrat political strategist, and he sees this speech and he says to the people that he's working with in the consulting firm, man, this guy's a great Democrat. He just doesn't know it yet. 
<laughs> so he goes out to this town to convince this guy to run for mayor of his town as a Democrat against the guy who's been the mayor for like a decade. And a town where they said, we haven't had a Democrat mayor in like 40 years. And it's just, it's great. There, There's uh, surprising twists and turns along the way. Um, Steve Carell is really fantastic in this role. You definitely buy him as this conniving, like underhanded kind of political strategist guy. Uh, so many little moments in it. Great. He's so by the holiday of this Midwest town because he's this DC guy and everyone is mean all the time and <laughs> backbiting and doesn't say what they really mean. And I just, I love how absurd it is. Mm. because there, there's one scene in particular I can think of where now I, I hope no one is offended by this, uh, but it is in the movie. So Steve Carell is talking about the voters and getting like the people to the polls and making sure that uh, people are showing up at their events and representing the base that they want for their candidate. And Steve Carell's character just goes, where are my Mexicans? I need more Mexicans. Give me more Mexicans. And he's in the middle of his campaign office while he does this. And he immediately stops, takes a breath, steps like two steps to the side and goes, I would just like to say that um, my words do not accurately convey how I feel. Uh, I am sorry for my reaction in that moment. It is not who I am. And it's just like the classic political apology mm-hmm. and the fact that it's done immediately after in front of everyone just gives you an idea of kind of the absurd nature of the movie as a whole. Um, I, I, I would say that it maybe didn't quite land where it was trying to land. It's like the like uh, we talked about earlier with some other movies. When you make a movie where they're, is kind of a couple different genres colliding. In this case, I would say like satire, comedy, but also political drama. In, in which, which uh, space does it actually end up landing? And I feel like this one doesn't quite know <laughs> yeah. where it wants to land. It's, it's smartly written, but I don't know if it is um, super coherently written when it comes to where it ends up. But I will say that it's very funny, and if you want to laugh, if you if you like politics, especially, I think you'll like this movie. It will definitely make you laugh at the things you see that are exaggerations of things we see every single day. Uh, one one more thing I would say about it is it it does a great job at lambasting just how we cover politics because that's a major problem. I think no matter who you support, I think you can acknowledge that's a major problem. And there's a scene and they're saying, well, why do we cover politics this way? Like, what if we were actually nice to each other and like we didn't backbite and we actually talked through things and we weren't this vicious and underhanded? Like, what what, what about that? And all the all the people on the set are like, uh, like they're dumbfounded, like it's so out of the realm of possibility because everything has become so partisan. I think that's really the best message from the movie that we need to step back and actually remember that we're dealing with people (laughs) because it's very easy to forget that. 
I mean, that's in everything, not just politics. It, 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 you were describing that. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, I was getting some vibes and it took me a while to remember what the name of the movie, I think it was like Welcome to Mooseport, mm. where, where the former president comes to some small town and then ends up running for mayor against this local, like this local politics guy and it becomes this big old thing when the, the president's trying to run for mayor and it's actually a competitive race. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting. Okay, very cool. How about you? Yeah, so I watched, as I indicated earlier, one of the things I watched this week was Flight of the Phoenix. Um, it was a movie I've always liked. Uh, and it's the story about a, uh, a crew on a defunct oil rig that uh, gets shut down. Um, they were operating in China and they get shut down and they're flying and a pilot crew comes to pick them, all their equipment, all that stuff, and haul them out of there. And they hit, they hit a storm, and the, the plane ends up crashing in the middle of the Gobi Desert. And they're stuck there, and they don't know what to do. And so it's this crew of, like, misfit losers who, you know, are kind of lazy and don't work that much. And they all fight. They're all fighting, and they all can't stand each other. And they have to figure out how to survive. And so they decide to create a new plane out of one of the engines of the crashed plane. And so it's, it's a fascinating story about human psychology, about uh, trying to come together and survive odds. There's a lot of leadership principles in there. And it's, it's, a, fun, it's a fun movie. It's a fun adventure action movie. Um, I think one of my favorite scenes, uh, they're trying to decide whether or not to build the plane and, and the captain of the, the pilot of the plane is kind of like, no, I will just sit and wait it out. And one of the guys just decides to go off into the desert and he's like, I I've got to do something. He goes off in the desert. The, the captain goes out after him and, and trying to persuade him to come back to the plane. And, and the guy comes in and he's like, here's what we need. We need to build this plane. And the captain's kind of like, well, why? And, and he makes the statement. He's like, you got to give, you got to give someone something to love. And if you can't give them something to love, give them something to hope for. And if you can't give them something to hope for, give them something to do. <laughs> and, and he's like, at this point, what, what is it? What difference does it make? Just give us something to do. And it's fascinating how, like, once they decide to build this plane, they rally around it. And it becomes, um, it becomes a unifying and building experience. So, good movie. Check out Flight of the Phoenix. Uh, the other one I saw, um, I actually went to theaters and got got a chance to go to the theaters this week, and I saw The Honest Thief with Liam Neeson. And so, it's a very Liam Neeson action movie. You know, something happens to Liam Neeson, and he has to go take revenge. Uh, in this case, he is a bank robber who uh, falls in love with a woman, wants to start a life with her, and decides that he needs to make everything right before he can do that. So he attempts to turn himself in and return all the money he stole in return for a, a lenient sentence so that he can get out of jail and, and be with this woman. And then the FBI agents he turns the money over to double cross him, steal the money, try to kill him. And so then he goes to take his revenge. So it's, a, it's, 
it's not it's not an amazing movie, but it's fun. It's an action movie. It's if you've seen a Liam Neeson movie in the last 10, 15 years, you know what to expect. Um, and it was funny. I was talking with my wife about this and um, and she was saying, yeah, there must be something about Liam Neeson that allows him to just continue making the same, basically the same type of movie and people still want to go see it. And so I was thinking about this. I want to get your opinion on this too. I think there's something to the fact that one, Liam Neeson brings, brings a level of credibility where you actually believe him and you believe in his character. And he has this ability to be the nice guy that you want to root for at the same time when he turns into, I'm going to kill you, you actually like believe that he's going to kill you. And so like that combination of skills, like it might, it might be like a one trick pony, but the trick is really good. <laughs> what, what do you think? Yeah, I would say that it's hard for someone his age to be that kind of character actor who is believable actually as the terrifying, scary guy. Yeah. Um, without being like creepy. I don't I don't know how else to describe it. Like like you said, there's a there's a seriousness to it. There's a, a weight believability to it. It in some ways, although I think um he might tend to lean more towards the serious side than the like I feel for this guy side. There there's some there's some Clint Eastwood uh, kind of feel about Liam Neeson, I think. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the older he gets, the more he's going to be moving in that direction. That's interesting. That's an interesting comparison. I'll have to think about that one. I think it's, I think you might be on to something there. There's just, there's some, there's something grizzled and very world worn about the way he plays these characters. And that's not, that's not something that a lot of actors are capable of. Um, a lot of the time an actor can be trying to play that character and you just cannot take them seriously in it. And yet he's able to pull it off. Even, even like you said, if it's not an amazing movie, uh, you still like, you still believe the character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's still, it's still like they're worth seeing, you know, you're not, they're no masterpieces. They're not going to make your year end list. Although with this year, who knows, but, um, but they're they're worth seeing. So yeah. So if you're uh, if you're going to theaters, check out The Honest Thief. So Rob, what did what you what you gonna watch this week? Well, uh, after looking through the Hulu list, I'm definitely gonna be checking out uh, Blade and High Fidelity. Are two movies that although I love, I don't believe I own either, mm. uh, which is probably gonna need to be rectified in the near future. But for now, I can watch them there. And uh, that'll be a good start. And hopefully I'll have a chance to catch something newer-ish uh, on Voodoo or Redbox or perhaps in an actual physical establishment. Uh, be a little behind the scenes here. Uh, going to movies can be a bit difficult when you have two kids under 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a wife and a life. <laughs> Especially when they're not doing the late showtimes anymore. Yeah. Yeah, the, the sweet spot was like that 10, 30, 11 o'clock yeah. show where I could, everything was taken care of, kids were in bed, wife usually asleep, <laughs> so free time. <laughs> yeah. Not many movies playing at like uh, five in the morning when I'm up by myself doing work. 
know, not so much. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and check out. Um, I saw uh, the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, and I have not seen that one in forever. It was actually the first Wes Anderson movie I I ever saw. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I've seen it since all, in all honesty. So I really need to go back and check that out now that I'm familiar with Wes Anderson movies. I'm a big Wes Anderson fan and, uh, yes. actually watching through his movies with one of my friends. And that was the first one that I picked, probably my favorite. And we've also watched fantastic Mr. Fox and grand Budapest hotel. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is like, there's so many more still to go and they all like, they're not all the same movie. They're all unique, but you can tell when you're watching one of the movies that it's his movie, even yeah. if it's animated, you can tell. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy to me how, how consistent that feel is. Well, it's so consistent. It's so consistent. I was in a bookstore last week and there's an actual, there's a published book that's like the world according to Wes Anderson. And hmm. it's just people who took photos where the photos look like something like it was a, of a building or of a, of a scenery or something that looks like a Wes Anderson movie scene. And so they actually put together an entire book of photos of people who are like, Hey, this looks like Wes Anderson. And you also, know, you have a distinctive style when people can actually do that. If you're on Reddit also, there's a subreddit called accidental Wes Anderson. <laughs> That is literally the same thing. People constantly you know, taking yeah, pictures. Yeah, I think that might stuff. actually be the name of the book. So it might be nice. it might be from the same people. I'm not sure. Yeah. So and the other one, the other one's just pure nostalgia for me. Um, if you're familiar, IMDb has some free movies on there that you can access through their website or through uh, Amazon Prime, and so so with some commercials. Um, but Three Ninjas. <laughs> is on my list for this week. I want to watch Three Ninjas. This is a classic early 90s kids movie. Just fantastic. You know, three, three preteen kids whose grandfather teaches them martial arts and uh, then they have to destroy some bandits and use their karate powers. Who among us has not joined up with their siblings and defeated the forces of evil with karate. I mean, yes. and it, keeps, this time. it keeps the tradition of every single kid's movie. The kid has the coolest room on the face of the earth that you're immediately <laughs> jealous of. <laughs> That's a pretty sweet race car bed you got there. Yeah. So pure <laughs> nostalgia on that one with three ninjas. All right, Rob, you got anything else? I do not. It is late. It is. <laughs> All right, well, we'll wrap this up. And uh, thank you for listening to the Film for Fans podcast. Rate and subscribe to the podcast. Check out our YouTube channel and visit us on filmforfans.com where you can check out our list of recommendations and plenty of other articles or just watch the podcast. So thank you and we'll catch you next time. Until then, enjoy the movies. Get your popcorn.